Hello and good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at, whenever you're listening. This is What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. Uh, we haven't been on the air in a while. I've been uh, really, really busy and I apologize um, if anyone's been craving some of the podcast. I've got a few responses from people like, you know, did you fall off a cliff? Anyways, a lot's happened uh, in the last few months since I've been on the air. I have a few podcasts that'll be up soon. Uh, this one is a full one. I have Dr. Ron Davis. Uh, he's the the lead author for the textbook Teaching Disability Sport, and it's all on teaching disability sport. He's an expert in disability sport, adapted physical education, as well as uh, working with uh, disabled veterans. So give us a listen. Uh, this whole podcast is on how to introduce disability sport into general PE. And at the end, we also talk a little bit about his project invest, which he created to help veterans that uh, are wounded and have some disabilities. So listen, and we are excited to get some more of these podcasts out. So I want to introduce you. This is uh, Dr. Ron Davis is sitting here. He wants to say hello to the world, the whole huge APE world. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yes. Dr. Ron Davis, uh, he is a one of the, the professors that I've had in class as well who teaches at Texas Women's University where I'm getting my doctorate. Uh, he's the author as well of uh, Teaching Disability Sports, which is a class I'm also teaching as he teaches as well, uh, undertaking quite a few different projects with disability sports and disabled veterans and such, and has many years of experience in the field. So, uh, we're going to touch base about some of those things, and I want to hear a little bit about, you know, some of his history and experiences, which have shaped his perspectives, as well as um, a lot about teaching disability sports, especially introducing those in a PE setting. And I want to hear about what that looks like in an APE world and in a PE world. So, Dr. Davis, first off, I want to talk about, so how did you get interested in the disability? So, you started APE, Correct. That was your just general, like, APE? Well, this goes back a few years. Yeah. Okay. Um, 2005? No. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> a little bit further than that. Oh. I mean, if you want to know how I got started in, in the adapted world, um, adapted physical education didn't exist uh, when I graduated with my undergraduate in PE. came along in about that 1975-76 era, and... Um, I finished in 72, and so I was looking for a job, and, and there just simply were no teaching jobs. Someone recommended to me that um, I look into this new field called Adapted. Um, I did. Um, ended up getting a certificate from the state of Wisconsin. Uh, liked it very much, and then went on and did my master's at uh, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse in Adapted. And uh, like that very much, got a chance to teach uh, two years at a university of my master's and uh, write uh, Project Mobility. Uh, really enjoyed all of that and um, got another opportunity to come to TWU to do my doctorate in uh, 1982. And so it just started to snowball from there. So uh, the field didn't quite exist when I first uh -huh. got going. I preceded that, I guess, so I'm a true dinosaur. So where did you get into the the disability sport aspect <laughs> of it versus maybe just, 
you know, the more PE central. Yeah, that that came about when I was a student here at TWU. Um, again, during the time before I, I was here, I coached high school football, uh, coached high school baseball, uh, middle school baseball. Just uh, you know, had that background. Uh, happened to coach at an all um, Catholic high school for all boys, and we had some some top tier athletes, and it was a um, very successful program. When I got here uh, in to do my doctorate, I was asked by Dr. Claudine Shell to go to Fort Worth, or if I was interested in going to Fort Worth, to coach a wheelchair soccer team. And at that time, they called it wheelchair team handball. And I thought, okay, I'll put my coaching background together with my then adapted background and see what this is about. And um, that's exactly how it started. Um, I coached um, the the remaining two years that I was here as a student, um, I went on and did it with my job at uh, La Crosse, my job at Ball State University, um, and then finally had to um, give that up because it 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 was it was moving to a national level and I could barely keep up and then keep my day job. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's how it started. Um, I was here as a doctoral student and um, answered the call to do that. And, Great things have happened since, I think. Yes, they have. So for our viewers out there, and, you know, I think let, let's talk about what disability sport and maybe dissolve some myths about what it's not, too. So when somebody says disability sport to you, um, is that what is that and is it different than just sport? Um, good question. For me, it's not. To me, I, I try to advocate sport being sport. Um, if, if I'm going to play a, play a sport, um, and play it at a competitive level, um, sport is definitely sport at that level. If I use a wheelchair or if, if I'm blindfolded or I have some limitation, I, I, I'm still playing a sport. Uh, there's a competitive side of it. Um, so I, I just try to advocate sport as sport and I pick that up, um, in, in some of my travels, I've been fortunate enough to go to Europe and see how, how um, the folks over there look at sport. And that's really where I, I really got tuned into. They don't really care if you have a disability or you don't have a disability. Um, if you're going to play bocce, you're going to play bocce. And if you play in a chair with a ramp, you play in a chair with a ramp, it's a sport. It's a competition. Um, so I very much bit into that and thought, um, this is the way I want to go. Um, Terminology-wise, I think, is where we get into this conundrum of what do we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're hearing now the terms of um, adapted sports, adaptive sport, and disability sport. So just like we've seen the, the, the uh, changes in terms such as intellectual disability from mental retardation. We're seeing that in the sport world. And um, so I, I'm, I'm really trying to steer away from that. Um, and I do want to call it sport, but the flavor of the month now is adapted sport. Uh, even disability sport is being um, not used as much. Uh, the military has uh, decided that they're going to use adaptive sport. And, um, you know, so be it. For them, <laughs> sounds very confusing. <laughs> they're all in their own world. So I think um, if you get to the textbook 
type of an approach to this. Um, a disability sport in some of the textbooks talks about a sport that is dedicated to a particular disability. Goalball would be a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get you know a little bit broader than that, perhaps at a recreation level or um, maybe an interscholastic level, you're going to hear about adapted sport. And so I, you begin to see some changes there. And adapted sport is one where you're going to get more of an inclusive type of an approach. Okay. Um, athlete that's a swimmer um, that wants to participate in an interscholastic swim team meet. Um, if there's a, a requirement for a two-hand touch to finish the race and they happen to be an athlete with one hand, um, there's some adaptation made for that athlete, but they compete in the what would be traditional interscholastic sport. Mm-hmm. So that would be more of a adapted. Uh, but there's lots of different interpretations out there. The listeners, uh, I hope, can understand that and recognize that that's true. Uh, but n- the latest buzz term appears to be that we're moving from a disability sport to adapted sport. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is so with disability sport it's kind of uh there's more maybe um hard rules on what you know what it is and who can participate in all those things, kinda of like Paralympics have their specific classifications and such like that. Yeah, it's a, uh if it's a disability sport it generally has the context of being dedicated to a particular disability. And um um you know that that's that is the way it, that's the way it's portrayed again in some of the literature right now um but like i say i'm i'm really trying to steer away from that a little bit that's just a personal yeah um the way i i tend to deal with it um, i think of it as sport first i look at the opportunity for the individual um, I look at the environment that they're going to participate in and, um, you know, let the decision of what it's going to be called uh, maybe made up to to be made up to by someone else. Yeah. No, those are difficult questions and can get into offending people and all those things. And right. yes, no, right. I get it. And But so with that, though, um, you know, you, a big thing that you've pushed in recent years is including disability sport kind of as a as a genre or as a unit mm-hmm. within a physical education uh, class. Mm-hmm. And so what I kind of want to know as well is, uh, you know, what does that look like? How does someone do that? What levels are they doing this? I assume they're not doing it at a, at a you know, pre-K level. I assume it's, <laughs> it's happening at a, at a higher level. So where does it start? To? Well, I, I, you know, I think uh, you're right. Um, this is something I've, I've really tried to hang my hat on is, um, you know, we, I'll start it this way. We ask students with disabilities to learn traditional able-bodied sports. But what we don't do is turn the paradigm and ask students without disabilities to learn a disability or adapted sport. Um, I think that's really where we ought to be. Um, I think that uh, both groups, uh, both representative uh, members of those groups, gain by that happening. Um, I think the um, it's a relatively easy thing to do if the teachers out there um, would would um, have an inclination to do this. 
if you look for more similarities and differences, you're going to find them. And I'm talking about similarities in rules, okay? similarities in skills that are needed, similarities in drills and the sport context. It's going to be there the same. Uh, I think a very good example, a very simple example, um, is the sport of sitting volleyball and the sport of uh, traditional volleyball. Um, I think those blend very nicely in a volleyball unit. I don't think, I don't perceive it being a problem, if you will, if you have a general physical education class of 35 to 40 students, and you have no students in there with a disability, but you blend in two to three classes of sitting volleyball. That gives that student without a disability a feel, an understanding, an appreciation for another population, if you will, that uh, plays the sport. They begin to recognize the challenges that are involved in that sport, develop an appreciation for that sport, and a simple awareness for that sport. That, to me, is going to snowball and help change. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for. Um, I think you can look down and take a sport of basketball and wheelchair basketball, look at similarities in rules, look at similarities in skills, similarities in sport context, and you can see that. Um, it's not very likely that a general physical education teacher would be able to access 10 to 12 to 15 wheelchairs, but if that can't happen, at least there's an appreciation for it. They could take students to a game if it were in the community. They could make sure that they saw the game. Um, you could have them involved in in helping manage a game in terms of working with a team. Mm-hmm. So there's those other ways that you can infuse this. Um, so that's really my, my whole outlook in it. I, I just think that we should be doing more of the adapted sport, more of the disability sport, whatever term you wish, um, in our general PE curriculum. Because think of it this way. Many of the uh, viewers, listeners out there are former athletes. Mm -hmm. And in some way, shape, or form, they learn the skills, they learn the participation, they learn the basic teamwork coordination, if you will, to to play these sports, hopefully started in a physical education class that eventually morphed into perhaps intramural competition or involvement into club competition and involvement, and then into something interscholastic. Why shouldn't that be the same for a student with a disability? Um, if we have a chance to get them in, show them in a physical education class what the sport is about, how can they move in from maybe an a- to an after-school program, mm-hmm. to an intramural program, to a um, collectively more competitive type of program, either at a club or at something interscholastic. It's the same model that many people go through. So you're kind of talking, though, in a PE setting more of teaching it integrated into units rather than teaching a disability sport unit uh, on its own, you're saying? Well, you would it, it, not entirely. I would say you would have to do both. Okay. Because some sports would indeed not be that easy to infuse. Like goalball. Like goalball. Absolutely. Goalball. Um, I think it's a, it, you know, when I left the state of Indiana after working at, at Ball State, there was a local middle school that we 
kind of pitched this too, and that teacher just picked it up and ran with it and taught it as a unit when she taught her physical education class. And they were very good at it. So I think there is that um, model okay. out there, if you will, that a teacher could um, uh, bring that into their whole curriculum as a separate entity or as an intuition. Now, where do you think it's appropriate to start teaching those types of things in the PE curriculum? Should we be doing this in elementary, middle school? High, obviously, high school would probably be ideal, but is there? can we start at a younger age as well? Well, I, I think you have to back up and use the, um, you know, where does it occur in the general PE model? Um, I think we would all agree that certainly at some point close to that upper elementary, early middle school, definitely high school, you're going to start start seeing the sport mm -hmm. infused into um, the PE curriculum. So somewhere in that area. But if you move outside of the school setting, you're going to find adapted sport in the community at a younger age. Um, in, the, in the Dallas Metroplex, you know, we've got junior wheelchair Mavericks. And junior wheelchair Mavericks are in that... Um, uh, 8 to 10 to 11 year old uh, type of program and that's community based not associated with a school mm -hmm. but you know they've moved down that model of into community into something that could go to club into something that goes to uh, the NWBA or National Wheelchair Basketball Association. Yeah, and I've, I've talked to another uh, person about this a little bit about the idea that sometimes it seems like the community is so far ahead of us uh, in schools, uh, sometimes in teaching these disability sports, and sometimes we need to, to catch up on that curve right now because they're a lot higher than us for whatever reason on some of those things. Now, maybe this is one of them, but in a school setting, what are some of the obstacles, you know, student, teacher, whatever it is, in teaching a disability sport in a general PE setting? Well, um, the biggest obstacle is educating um, the general PE teacher that this even exists. And I'm sure the general PE teachers out there would probably say the bigger obstacle for them is time. Um, the amount of time that they have to um, get across what they want to get done with their curriculum, the amount of time that they have to complete a unit mm -hmm. uh, in a particular sport is, is, you know, everybody wants a piece of that time. So I think that's probably a, a bigger obstacle. But Getting them an awareness and an understanding and educated on adapted sport opportunities um, is probably the best way to start and the best way to go. You've got a number of models that are out there across the United States that, that do a nice job of blending in the schools. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the folks at... Uh, the American Association of Adapted Sports in Atlanta, AASP, are a great model to take a look at. Um, certainly, you can go to Minnesota and take a look at what they've done with their um, their adapted sport programs in in the general interscholastic model in Minnesota. And Texas is is working towards that, but Texas right now is, like you say. Um, they have most of their sport programs, team sport programs in particular, in the community and, and not really with a school yet. 
some individual sports. And um, the UIL, mm-hmm. which is the Interscholastic Organization, is doing a great job with track and field, and they're moving forward with, I believe, um, a, um, a program looking at tennis and a program looking at swimming to get that infused into school competition. So it's um, it's coming. Um, it, it is out there, but there are the hurdles. Yes. And there, and there are, are some of the barriers that you, you have to contend with. So if I – so now if I'm like an AP teacher and I'm doing a consultant model uh, and I want to see some of those things in there and I want to see, you know, a general PE teacher, what are some of the things that I could do to maybe try to, you know, get some of that disability sport in there from an AP uh, consultant model? Well, I – I, I think what the, what the APE teacher can do to yeah. help get this to happen is certainly have a, a real strong awareness of what are the goals on the IEP, what are they trying to get accomplished, and, and take a look at what is the entity, the representative of that in adapted sport that they could pull out and demonstrate to the general PE teacher of how, look, we're working on uh, balance and range of motion for this uh, young person with uh, cerebral palsy, and we're getting that in this um, uh, in this particular sport. Be you know, be it um, sitting volleyball, I don't know, or be it um, standing volleyball. But you you could demonstrate to them that you could work on these components of the balance and coordination and the range. Um, through a sport approach, show that to the general PE teacher and then let them go with it Mm -hmm. and try to move with it. The other part, uh, Scott, that you can also take from that is think of all the cognitive types of uh, benefits that come with understanding a sport. Mm -hmm. Understanding keeping score, understanding if you're on a basketball team, am I on offense or am I on defense, Uh, understanding how many um, fouls I might have, things mm-hmm. like that. There's the cognitive side that um, you could demonstrate to the PE teacher that would address an IEP goal, but using the vehicle of sport. Um, when I when I did consulting in Indiana, I think that was my main vehicle, was to talk to the general PE teacher. We talk about differentiated learning. Mm-hmm. We talk about individualized learning and individualized programming. And I would try to get that concept across using sport as an example. And they would say, well, I can't teach that kiddo. Um, they're too low functioning. I don't know how to, quote, modify. I said, okay, let me ask you this. Do you Are you a basketball coach? Yes. State of Indiana, you're always a basketball coach. Do you teach your guards the same thing to do as your centers? Do you teach your centers the same thing to do as your forwards? No, no, no. Okay. So what you're doing then is individualizing the skills and the responsibilities for those players. Yes. So you're doing that already. Yes. All right. So now you understand then a little bit about differentiation and individualization. Move that concept to you that you're doing to these kiddos with disabilities in your class. The AP teacher can explain that, mm-hmm. and I think that's where they could help. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Dr. Davis, thank you on that piece. Um, I hope that our listeners can, you know, appreciate 
disability sport as well as try to to get them get more disability sport integrated into their their classes as well. But you know, Dr. Davis, I, I got a few more minutes with you if that's okay, and I want to ask you a few questions about maybe some other areas now, uh, really quickly. Two things that that you seem be really invested in as well is you know disability sports as well as working with veterans. Mm-hmm. And you started a program yourself, and it's called Project Invest. And he's got a shirt on right now, a nice polo shirt with the Project Invest yeah. uh, logo on there. So I want to hear a little bit about what that program is. Uh, where it started and where it's gone so right. far and how you use disability sport in there. Right. Well, uh, I appreciate that. The um, INVEST stands for uh, Injured Veterans Entering Sport Training. And um, where it started from, it's not it's not a brand new concept. Um, those of you that are familiar with adapted sport or disability sport, way, way, way back, you recognize the name of um, Ludwig Goodwin. And the, the, the person that essentially is credited with starting Paralympics. Mm-hmm. But the, um, his, his approach to it was to use sport as a vehicle for rehabilitation. And, um, I have, um, two sons, two sons in the military and I'm, I'm getting a little more familiar with how the military works. And I began to learn more about what are called warrior transition units or transition units. And the transition units were actually entities in every branch of the service that were put together to um, help reintegrate the injured, ill, or wounded um, soldier back into either active duty or into society. And I thought that was a pretty keen idea. Um, I looked at that and I thought, well, wait a minute, as adapted physical activity people, adaptive physical education people, we ought to be doing something like that. It's certainly within our wheelhouse. So we were fortunate enough to um, uh, receive a grant from the Olympic Committee and the VA. It was combined. And we pitched the idea of Project Invest. And so what Invest did was um, offer up the opportunity. We uh, contacted a couple installations here in Texas that had WTU units and uh, brought them to campus. And we had uh, a full day of activities of um, tennis. We we did uh, wheelchair soccer. Uh, We had them climbing the climbing wall. Uh, We put them in the indoor pool and kayaks. And these were soldiers that um, have cognition issues. They have affect issues and, um, you know, some physical uh, constraints. And it, it, it just, um, it, it fell right in line with the purpose of a WTU or a transition unit and our skill sets as, uh, adapted physical activity and physical education folks. So that's how it started. And, you know, uh, call it what you may, one soldier came down and participated with us and, um, liked it so much, went home and shared with his dad. And his dad happened to own a uh, disability company uh, for disability um, soldiers, disabled soldiers, that helped promote wellness and well-being of um, soldiers through the help of um, medical support. He told his dad, and his dad contacted me, and we just shared a couple of experiences and back and forth. Um, and he donated um, some money to the program. 
and it's Heritage Health Solutions in Flower Mound, um, Texas. And we, we just went forward with it. And we had, um, we were able to support a group from Fort Hood, from Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Um, we actually helped with what's called a muster. That's about three or four transition units that come regionally. So mm-hmm. there are over 150 here. Um, and all through this support, we're able to give them and challenge them with team activities in sport to help build and help reintegrate them back um, to society, if you will, or back into active duty. So um, we're still plugging away at it. We have a great event next uh, Tuesday, a week from um, yesterday, if you will. Uh, it will be our fourth Battle of the Boards. We're going to have um, veterans from around the community come playing a wheelchair basketball challenge game um, versus uh, first responders. And uh, that'll be right here. We're uh, right here at TWU. And just that link between first responders and military has been a very, very strong, strong link, um, as you can well imagine. So how so you said that, you know, trying to get them to transition successfully using, you know, physical activity and sport. What have you seen from that? Is it successful and how? We're a part of that process. Mm-hmm. The, the real onus of that, the real responsibility of that is the transition unit that is led by a person that's called an adapted, uh, adaptive coordinator, sport coordinator. Their responsibility, if, if, if the soldier is um, assigned to that unit, um, for whatever reason, cognitive issues, physical issues, emotional issues, dependency issues, if they're assigned to that unit, they're required um, to have 150 hours a week of activity, at least two times a week. They're required to, um, in some cases, have meetings with the medical profession of need. Um, and then, um, re- re- again, required to be active in the opportunities that are presented through that. So that's where we have seen it. Um, we see them being more engaged. You're looking at opportunities that we can't do here. They do air rifles, they do archery. Um, you know, but we do some, they ask us to come down and do more, uh, court types of, uh, experiences, basketball, soccer, things like that. The good thing and the bad thing, I guess, is there has been a reduction in WTUs. There's 28 across the country in 2012. Uh-huh. There's 14 right now. Wow. The, the good part of that is we're having less injured, ill, or wounded uh, veterans. That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> um, we're, we're paying attention to the call-ups that are uh, we think are going to be announced and more deployments are going to come, but even be that as it may, and we have 12 that are, or 14 now that are functional and active, um, we're trying to, as Project Invest, work closely with community-based veterans that are out home. Remember, they can reintegrate back into home. We're trying to work with them and host um, events where they'll come and participate. We had one group come over. We took them out to the driving range. Uh, next to the driving range was a disc golf course. We took them out and we did disc golf with them. So 
we're, we're shifting our focus a little bit more than going to the military installation uh, to dealing uh, with the community-based folks that are already home mm-hmm. and with their families. And another another part of that component is going to be the families. We want to start doing activities that promote not only the injured warrior, but the um, the family members too. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So it's it's pretty neat. We're we're really excited. Yes, no, and it's something that you've been doing for quite a while and it looks like it's start you know, not starting, but it's paying off and it's we really hope. helping out a lot of people. Well, Dr. Davis, uh, you know, thanks a ton uh for coming and on the show. This is the first one I've done in quite some time. So uh people are, are hungry for this. But um thank you and uh it's been a pleasure. You bet. My my pleasure and I thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.